Welcome to the Dignity of Women, where we dig deep into the vocation and dignity of women in the church, in modern times, and as an answer to the call for a new evangelization. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook. Joining me today is Marion West Bayou. Marion is grateful to be a little child of God living for Jesus and the coming of his kingdom. Marianne graduated summa cum laude from DeSales University with her BA in dance and then moved to New York City where she became licensed as a massage therapist. She danced with St. Michael's Warriors Dance Company, a Catholic hip-hop dance company, and studied under Lori Bellalove of the Isadora Duncan Dance Foundation. After several years of teaching and performing, Marion embarked on a 14-month mission of compassion in Brooklyn with Hearts Home. Now, having returned to her hometown of Lancaster, PA, Marion lives her call as a wife, daughter, sister, auntie, godmama, friend, and prayer. She values heartfelt, authentic connection and offers her work integrating the beauties of dance, song, and massage therapy to touch heart, body, mind, and soul with the compassion of Christ. Thank you so much for being here, Marian. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm so happy to be with you. And I should also mention as a side note that Marian is the sister of Christopher West, who is most uh, one of the most recognized teachers of John Paul II's teaching of theology of the body. So I'm sure you've absorbed a lot through the years with Christopher's journey to learn more and teach more about that mission as well. I sure have. And that has been such a formative blessing. Um, He started talking with me about what was being shown to him in that work. When I was about eight years old, I remember I went up to receive communion and coming back from communion, he was at mass with me and he said, you know, in the Eucharist, Jesus wants to kiss you like a bridegroom kisses his bride. And um, I just remember I was totally stunned and amazed. And it was just um, a big burst in my romance with the Lord. And you know, so I'm so grateful that Christopher kind of brought me up in this truth. I'm so thankful for that. That's amazing. I can't imagine being told something like that as an eight-year-old, right? You know, shortly after you had started receiving communion and then to kind of have that image to carry you through. That's absolutely gorgeous. I love that. (laughs) And especially for the female heart, you know, to have that romance in the Eucharist from such an early age is just really a gift. Yes, it surely was and is. (laughs) So Marion, you graduated summa cum laude with your um, degree in dance and I wanted to talk a little bit about dance, especially because currently in modern times, we see a lot of body issues, eating disorders, homosexuality, all of these things have become synonymous with dance, gymnastics, figure skating, all of these art forms um, of the body and athleticism. So I wanted to ask you why you thought it was that in modern times, as opposed to, say, 50 years ago, when um, either we didn't see as much of this or we didn't know as much of this, has have these body issues always been tied into these forms of art, you know, with bodily expression? Or is, is this something that you see is getting worse? Hmm. That's a really good question. And 
I think that I'd have to say that, you know, from the beginning of time um, with the fall of man, we have struggled with distortions of our existence as male and female and being bodily, beautiful human beings made in the image and likeness of God. The way that struggle manifests through different times and generations may differ. Um, so our grandparents, our great-grandparents may have lived in a time when the beauty of the body was repressed and, um, you know, like the Victorian era, so it was restrained. And then, rightfully so, the next generation said, hey, wait a second, no, I want to live the, the freedom and beauty of my body. And so they swing the other way and um, indulge the body and um, swing so far that we are not living that redemption of the body, but giving in indulging in lust. Um, and so we're swinging now, especially through the help of John Paul II, into an era, a new springtime of seeing the redemption of our body, um, where it is beautiful, it is given by God, and reclaiming that for his use and his glory. Um, but I think that the introduction of contraception into our culture is really where the swing um, took such a drastic turn that our culture became over-sexualized in a perverse way. Um, and so we are called, I think, in this time to really reclaim this beauty of the body as body-soul united, as created by God for his glorious purposes, um, and so I think because of contraception, we have seen an increase in those difficulties, but there is so much hope where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so I'm so, so grateful um, to be alive in this time and to be dancing um, in this time. I like how you talk about hope, and and I do feel in so many ways that we have such an age of hope right now. And as you talked about, in so many ways, the cultures of the past are, you know, generations of the past have swung drastically in one extreme or another. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we are always searching for that happy medium and, um, you know, where God has intended us to be, where we're respecting the body, the mind, the soul, um, and glorifying him through our use of it, proper use of it. And so when you were studying dance at your university, did you feel like it was hard to stay true to this redemption and reclaiming dance for God's kingdom? Did you feel like it was hard to express your faith to oppose maybe some of the tendencies that you saw? Or did you feel that it just came naturally throughout that walk? That is a wonderful question as well. Um, I would say it was a continual journey and still is. But in in college, um, gratefully, I went to a Catholic college. My two criteria for university was that they, um, it was a Catholic university and that it would have a wonderful dance program. And God gave me that in DeSales University. I had wonderful theology and philosophy. Um, so I was drenching in the truth. And then I was drenching in my dance work. And the Lord really allowed me to integrate 
all of that. Um, I had a wonderful formation in that way. And I went into college, went into my dance program a little behind um, in technique. I hadn't taken as much technique as my peers at that point. And my professor um, allowed me in the program because he saw something. And I believe that was the spark of the Lord in me. Um, and perhaps and hopefully a glimmer of the grace of Mary. And that is the reason I got into that program. It was not my technique or ability. But I worked really hard. He said, you're going to have to work extra hard to catch up. And so I think that was a grace because I came in very little. You know, I came in very like no preconceived notions. I knew I was at the bottom of the totem pole. And I think God used that to humble me and then to raise me up um, totally all his doing. And by junior year, I really caught up and was with the others in technique. And um, it was really beautiful to see the way God used that that littleness and, and raised it up. Um, I felt like through my college years, I started to discover more and more the call of dance in my life. I knew I loved to move, but I had no idea how much it would lead to communion with God. And I remember my junior year dancing on stage and just being in the lights and the costume flowing around me. And I remember this big uh, sweep of the arm and looking up high into the air. And I felt at that moment, I was looking right into the face of God and he was looking at me with such delight and there was a communion. And I just realized how dance truly is prayer. It's a, an offering of my body as a living sacrifice. Um, and more and more and more through the years, realizing what dance is and the call of dance and how God uses it um, to console hearts and to encounter him and to intercede and um, to enter into spiritual warfare through dance. So um, I do remember one moment in college, I think it was my senior year, a Martha Graham teacher came uh, to give a master class. And at one point she said, she quoted Martha Graham, who's the a mother of modern dance in America. And she said, Martha Graham would have said, no virgins allowed in my class, meaning you have to really understand your sexuality to be able to dance passionately. And her work all comes from the core and um, the center of your body. And I remember it just infuriated me and I felt so impassioned because I was a virgin and I was so happy to be a virgin and it did not hold back my passion at all. My passion was in the Lord and I wanted to show that. So the next time we did the routine across the floor, I danced it with all my fiery passion and I was tempted to go up to her and whisper in her ear that I'm a virgin, but I didn't. Oh my gosh. I wish you had. I, I really know. wish you had. That would have, her eyes would have probably been like saucers and everyone in the class would have thought, what did you say to her? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But I, I mean, things like that are said in every college classroom, you know, regardless of what your passion is or, or your, form of glorifying God. So it's interesting, you know, that you also experienced that in this Catholic university. Um, and you also have said that you're open about sharing about your eating disorder struggle, which I know so many young women 
um, have shared as well that they have struggled with, especially those involved again in, in these areas of dance or gymnastics or other, you know, bodily expressions through art. So how did you find yourself if you were immersed in, in this great theological, um, school and, I'm guessing maybe strong friends and things like that. How did you find yourself struggling with that understanding of your image, your body image? Yeah. So um, it was my junior year again. And I remember that I wanted to lose like five pounds. Um, I wanted to feel really light on the dance floor. And that was an okay goal. So at that time, it was really big um, to go into the Atkins diet, which was like zero carbs and helps you lose weight really fast. And I had heard about that. So I decided I'll go on the Atkins. And I started in a reasonable way that I would just go on the Atkins diet for two weeks and lose the five pounds and then return to regular maintenance. But the control felt really good. And it was kind of addictive. Um and so I kept going and I kept going and I kept going and I didn't eat carbs, didn't eat carbs, didn't eat carbs. And I was working and dancing all day long, almost every day. Um, so I was losing pounds really quickly and losing muscle mass. Um, and I didn't really see it. Or if I did see it, I was just happy about it. And family started to get concerned. And um, then we went on vacation to Puerto Rico. Some friends of mine and I went there and they were all eating this huge, um, huge sub on this amazing bread that they have in Puerto Rico. That's just so good looking and yummy. And, um, but I was saying no, you know, every day. And then finally one day I was just like, Oh my gosh, that looks so good. And you have to understand, I love to eat since the time I was, nursing I've just my mom can tell you I have loved to eat and um and I was just depriving myself I mean really depriving myself and my friend said well one rule on vacation here is that we eat whatever we want we don't question it and he said it in such a warm inviting way and I just thought oh to heck with it I'm gonna throw in the towel and just enjoy with my friends and that was really a saving grace at that time that kind of cut that habit at that time. Um, so that was awesome. And then it returned um, when I was in my early to mid-20s. I had just come back from New York, and I was living in Lancaster, and it went in the opposite direction, like we spoke about before, the repression, which I got really good at, and then the indulgence, indulgence which I also got really good at. Um, or worse at, and I started to overindulge and overindulge and overindulge and give into gluttony. And it was in minor forms. I was gaining weight. Um, and I started to realize that I was not in control at all. And I, it really scared me, um, my lack of control. And I was getting really unhealthy. And so I started to go to Overeaters Anonymous meetings, which is kind of funny because I was still thin and 
not weighing a lot, but um, it's all about the internal state. And OA, Overeaters Anonymous, really, really helped me. Um, for anyone out there who struggles in, in eating disorders at all, OA is wonderful. You do not have to be obese to go. If you are obese, you are welcome to go as well, but it's also for people who struggle with eating disorders of any kind. Um, so at the time, I was really obsessed, and it helps you a lot with that. So I was very assisted in that way, um, and I started to, I, I gave up gluten and white sugar because those foods can be addictive, and so that was really helpful in cutting the addiction to food that I had developed. Um, but then what really freed me and, you know, everything else in hindsight was like a coping mechanism or a crutch or, you know, trying, it was effort, it was striving, but I hadn't been freed internally. What really freed me was, of course, the grace of the Lord um, through working and volunteering with this missionary organization called Hearts Home. I went for 14 months to Brooklyn and lived with them a, a lifestyle of compassion. We reached out to those who were suffering and abandoned and lonely. And I lived in community with nine others. And most of them were French. The French are known for their tiny portions of really delicious, satisfying food. And we would um, have these amazing meals at the same time every day, same time for breakfast, same time for lunch, same time for dinner, no snacking in between. And it was that beautiful structure and the rhythm of the day filled with prayer. You know, we had this orarium, a structure for our hours, just like they have it in a monastery, which was described to me as health for an adult, just the way that a baby is put on a structure of, of his or her hours. You know, it helps the baby thrive. And um, just like that, adults adults need the same. And so I really started to gain grounding in that structure and see how my community members were eating and just humble myself and follow their ways. And it really um, freed something in me. And I started to balance out my diet and it just released within me. It was a total grace. Um, and I thank God for that. I mean, it, it really was his grace that that moved that in my heart. And ever since then, it's just been very free. Um, but I think it was a big conversion point to hand over to him my weakness and something that I did not have control over. No amount of striving or trying on my part could help. It just made it worse. It made me obsessed. Um, and turning my weakness over to him and allowing him to be my God and to save me and rescue me and deliver me from myself um, it's probably the biggest conversion point of my life and thanking him for my weakness. Um, I like the way that you talked about how at first you liked the control of not eating. And then of course, once you got deeper into that, you felt that you no longer had control. And I feel like we struggle with things like that all the time that suck us in deeper. Um, you know, certain compulsions that at first we are drawn because we like the control that we have over it. And then eventually it takes control over us. Yeah. And um, that's just a beautiful testimony. Thank you for sharing how 
you were able to overcome that through the Lord's grace. And I know so many of us in in different ways have found freedom from different compulsions, different sins that we've struggled with in in many different ways. So it's wonderful to always hear um, others' journeys, you know, to find that the Lord works with each of us in such a unique way. Um, and I had to laugh at your uh, just the mention of you talking of going to this Overeaters Anonymous, and I can imagine you were this very thin dancer (laughs) in wonderful shape. And um, I don't know if you've watched any of the episodes of the very popular show right now, This Is Us. No, I haven't. Okay, Okay, because there is a very similar situation in that show in which um, one of the main characters is a very overweight woman and she goes to this Overeaters Anonymous type of a group and all of them are, are quite overweight except for this one girl who of course struggles with an eating disorder and she's very thin and they all get so frustrated with her because she talks about every time she speaks, they all just get very upset because they're like, (laughs) you're perfect, you know? And and she's like, oh, I'm so mad at myself. I ate this today or did that. And Mm. I just was thinking about what the other people must have thought when you walked in as this, you know, probably in wonderful shape dancer and you sit down at Overeaters Anonymous, they're probably thinking you're in the wrong room or something. So um, what was so sweet about it is that no one gave me a second look. They accepted me and understood that it was about that internal brokenness and our, our psyche and what's going on in our hearts and minds. So I'm so grateful. I did not come up against any judgment, just total acceptance and love and understanding that it's our internal journey. So um, I did wonder about that, but I did not come across that. (laughs) And I'm sure you sharing gave them equal encouragement and hope in their journey as well, you know, to find that this does span other populations of people, you know, and, and others do struggle with this. So I think probably your presence was more helpful than not for, for others as well. Um, So that is just, that's wonderful as well. And I love when you were sharing before about um, the body and how it can glorify God through dance and that moment that you had of looking up and how our body is a living sacrifice that, you know, those words from Romans. Um, I just, as you were describing that, it was just so vivid. I could imagine a dancer on stage with the lights and and sitting in the audience watching that. And Um, I'm somebody who loves watching theater and dance and all the rest and, um, and just the expression, the movement in the person's heart who's watching it's, you know, you're able to communicate so much of the truth and beauty and goodness of this world and the next through that expression of the body in dance. And I think you described it so well when you were talking about that moment you had on stage when you really felt connected to God. And, um, you know, maybe people don't always think of it in that way, but it just shows how um, when you are united to the Lord, you can bring that relationship into any area of your life. Any passion that you have, you can bring that. And as you said, 
the redemption of dance and reclaiming it for God's kingdom. And I think that's interesting that you're calling it the redemption of dance. And you talk a lot about how dance can be a beautiful expression of worship and praise, uh, maybe rather than the immodest and unskilled dance that most of us are familiar with. If you go into a club or a bar or anything like that, you know, you're seeing um, a lot of what's called dance that's not exactly glorifying much of anything. So can you talk just briefly about what you mean when you talk about the redemption of dance? Did dance need to be redeemed? Mm, That is beautiful. I think it's all in knowing who we are, knowing whose we are. When I know I am a daughter of the king, my body will naturally um, dance as, well, my whole being will dance as one that belongs to God. And when I don't know that, when I'm looking for love in all the wrong places, um, I may move in a way that um, that is trying to get something or trying to seduce in um, a distorted way, you know, a sad way, a, a broken-hearted way. And the Lord loves us so much there, and we need not feel shame. But he wants to lift us into the true dignity and beauty of our being. And to me, um, dance can be redeemed, and we are called to redeem dance because it is, it can be a pure movement of our body and our soul towards God. And in my most wonderful study of Duncan dance, Isadora Duncan was a mother of modern dance in America as well. And I studied her technique and her whole desire was to purely express her soul through her body. She really wanted to get to that authentic expression of her soul through the fibers of her body. And to me, that is pure prayer. That is pure expression of our longing for God, our thirsting for him, our communion with him, the movements of our soul and our heart through this life, the struggles. Um, Just the other day, I was going through something difficult and I happened to have some time in a dance studio to myself that day. It was providentially given to me, this huge, gorgeous studio. I was all alone in it and I blasted Corey Asbury's Reckless Love, which I love. I love that song. And I just danced out the struggle. I cried my way through it. And it was a prayer I was offering and laying down. And then I felt the receiving, um, the receiving of his love for me and his delight in me and his affirmation. And all of that through dance, through my body moving in space, my heart could shift and my heart could open and my heart could lay down. So it's the heart moving through my body. And um, that is between God and me. And then when I offer that to others, with others viewing that, I pray that it can bring consolation. It can bring um, an expression that they can recognize, that people can say, oh, I felt that. I can see in her body what I have felt. And they can resonate. They can commune and feel their own hearts awaken or feel comforted. Um, And I really have used dance as prayer as intercession for people. When I don't know how to pray in words, I can pray with my body. I can lift this person up to the Lord through my body. And so I think God 
can do so much to redeem the art of dance that it is not for selfish purposes or um, lustful purposes, but truly for love, truly for offering to him and for offering to others, truly a gift of virtue. Um, and I think when we start to dance in that purity and that beauty and that passion for the Lord, um, then we, we can change hearts through his grace. And those watching can, can feel that and sense that. Absolutely. And as a final thought, I'll just ask you, as a parent um, who is hesitant, you know, we've been hesitant to get our daughter into these kind of things like dance because of all the things that we've talked about, just how um, strict it is and how, um, you know, some of these dance studios or teachers are known for being very um, rigid with how much people weigh and how they look and all of these other things and can almost build up some of those body issues in the young woman or, um, or very young woman. Mm -hmm. So what would be your advice to a parent who maybe has a son or daughter who's interested in dance and really, you know, drawn towards this expression? Is there somewhere to look specifically a certain kind of studio or dance to get them into? Or is there a certain way from the earliest ages to keep a pulse on that or to talk to them about that? I think that's a really great question. And um, I know that around here where we live, we have the whole gamut. We are blessed with many studios. And one of them is a Christian performing arts academy um, that teaches such virtuous dance. So we can look for those places um, and some places that are not explicitly Christian and might be, you know, secular or um, less explicit with their beliefs. We can still inquire of the teachers, you know, what way are you approaching dance? How will you teach my children? Um, how virtuous is this? You know, just asking upfront questions. What will the music be like? What will the dance moves be like? Um, making sure that it's modest and that they're they're guarding the dignity of these females and males who want to dance. Um, and I think always to not be afraid. John Paul II called us to infiltrate the culture, reclaiming the truth of our bodies. And so to not be afraid to go out, but of course, as young ones are being formed, to guard and protect them um, but to not be afraid to have those interfacings and conversations and get real with it and go out there. And, um, you know, if the studio isn't perfect, still allowing the child to, to dance and um, always guarding them and protecting them and honoring them, but um, having those conversations with the, with the teachers. So look for the Christian academies. If they aren't there, see what you can find that is good enough and that you can, try to bolster up. So, Thanks so much, Marion. That's great advice. I want to thank Marion West Bayou for being here with us today and for sharing this beautiful wisdom on dance and redeeming dance and reclaiming it for God's kingdom. Thank you, Marion. You are so welcome. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me.